Hi, welcome to Revenue Marketing Television, the CMO Insights Series. I am your host, Jeff Pedowitz, President and CEO of the Pedowitz Group. Today, we have Tracy Eiler, who is Chief Marketing Officer of Inside View. Tracy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff. So, uh, you and I were just having a great time catching up a little bit. Lots of changes going on in the world of data. So, could you tell us a little bit um, about Inside View, you know, where you're at today, and then strategically where you guys are going over the next year or two? Sure. Inside View focuses on um, serving B2B sales and marketing folks and their operations counterparts. And we provide them data insights and connections for their target markets. We have a variety of products, starting with you know, our historical product that many people know as for Inside View Sales, which helps sellers really micro-target who they want to go after. And it gives them all kinds of information about those accounts and the people in them. But now we have a whole portfolio of products that help sellers and marketers really figure out their ideal customers, the total addressable market for those customers, and then their progress against it. One thing we're doing more and more as we head into the future is really helping companies with their entire data strategy around customer data, making sure that all the right accounts are identified and the people in them. But that, of course, is not a one-time thing, as you all know, Jeff, right? Data is like a river. You got to keep it refreshed. People come and go, et cetera. And especially as so many of us marketers and sellers are moving into an account-based or super-targeted approach, you know, having a really strong data strategy is becoming more and more important. So um, you know, I'm interested in your take as a marketing executive because you've run several different organizations now over the last few years. How is marketing changing? Are, are you finding it needs to be run more like a business in 2017? I definitely think uh, that marketing needs to run more like a business. And I also think that the talent composition of who we need to recruit and, um, and, uh, and train and mentor is changing. And, and I'll explain that. It, I, I have this notion that I'm playing around with in my head of the T-shaped marketer, like the capital T. Um, and, you know, when I used to build marketing teams, you would have a variety of disciplines in your marketing organization with really deep expertise. Like you might have your digital marketing expert and your events expert and your brand advertising expert and so on and so on. And I'm finding more and more because the disciplines are all sort of munging together. And this is true about sales and sales development or lead gen, whoever the folks are on the phone that are qualifying leads these teams are starting to converge and our systems are converging, which I think is part of what's driving this transformation to running more like a business. Sales and marketing is a revenue center now. It's not marketing over here, generating top of funnel leads and the sales guys over here, you know, converting and going forward. You know, everything is much more designed around finding accounts, selling them and then growing those businesses a lot of that, I think, is the subscription economy, um, but I think a lot of it is we realize as marketers that we're way more profitable when we're selling more into our customer base. So constantly looking at the composition of net new, existing customers, you know, what's my ASP, where are my upsell opportunities, and then to your point about becoming more like a business, when you really know your ideal customer profile, there is such a thing as good revenue and bad revenue. And the bad revenue is really nice right now, this quarter, but it doesn't renew and you never sell them anymore, right? So I think as business leaders, we are increasingly more and more 
kind of redesigning our teams around the idea of go after the good revenue, be proactive about picking those accounts, say no to companies that come knocking on your door wanting to buy your product that you know are not going to be profitable, send them elsewhere, things of that nature. We never used to talk about that type of thing um, as CMOs. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that because I think more marketers should spend time figuring out the right type of customers for their business. Uh, we actually just adopted um, a third-party account methodology called Clients for Life. And the big part of it is figuring out in the beginning who you should be aligned with and who you shouldn't. Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of um, early indicators in terms of what that's going to look like over time. So how does that translate then into your customer engagement philosophy? So you've picked the right customer, but how much of your mix is spent in the beginning getting the customer versus because you have multiple products? I mean, how much of your marketing mix is working with those customers over their lifetime? It, the, the mix is really morphing to, uh, right now I would say two-thirds of our effort is spent on growing existing customer accounts and the rest is spent on net new logo development. And that's we a, are... That's yeah, that's okay. very happy and, for the install base. And it's very related to you know our maturity as a company and the size of our install base, but it's also related to our own analysis, knowing that there are certain types of accounts that are super, super profitable, or our product's very sticky. And inside Views case, those customers are customers that have very high relationship selling and marketing motions. Commercial real estate is a good example. Financial services is another good example. Insurance is another example where we get in with that customer and we became part of their go-to-market fabric. So we know that if we work with those accounts, get them to best practice as fast as possible, and marketing has a role to play there. It's not just our onboarding and customer success guys. Get them to best practice, get them to the advocates, you know, and then the virtuous circle continues. So you know, I don't know if two-thirds, one-third is going to be the composition two years from now, um, but I don't think it's going to be less than 50-50. You know? And in the old days, I would say, gosh, 80% of my time was spent on top of funnel and that new logo acquisition. So it, I think it's really quite satisfying to see it morph. And of course, that's very related to the you know account-based everything phrase um, or craze you know that's going on. Um, so I personally really enjoy it, uh, figuring out how to get even more engaged with our customers. And to your point about customers for life, we know in our business that when we have relationships across sales, marketing, and operations, we're super sticky as opposed to just entering in through one of those departments, which used to happen all the time. Um, and as you know, people change all the time, right? So if Absolutely. you have all your eggs in the relationship basket with the CMO, for instance, she leaves two years later, what are you going to do? So making sure that you've got that breadth of relationship you know, in multiple people in the company is really key. So you mentioned um, earlier sales and marketing being a shared revenue center at Inside View. Is that what you're measured on by your boss? And then what do you measure your team on? Um, we are in marketing almost 100% measured on pipeline. And there's, of course, we look at lots of other measures, right? We're looking at net new leads and MQLs and all of those sorts of traditional things. But pipeline is really where we zero in. And, and then pipeline composition, how much of it how much of it is in our ideal customer profile set, how much of it is inbound or related to only one product, and so on. We're trying to get to the point where pipeline composition is almost all ICP industries, um, almost all multi-product, as an example, 
we've even set a floor in our small business because we have a traditional kind of inbound driven small business that's about a third of our revenue and then the rest is enterprise and OEM. And that small business now we've set a floor, a minimum floor deal size. And we're trying to figure out right now how fast can we figure out whether that new lead will hit that floor so that we can qualify them out if they're not. And, you know, it's a great problem to have, but it's super, it's a whole super interesting new set of challenges. So pipeline is what we um, align around and we're measured on. Okay, great. So what's your take on MarTech? Um, not enough, just right, too much, overwhelming? What do you think? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm frustrated and sick of the amount of marketing technology that is out there. Um, and I think that we're starting to see, at least in my peer set, uh, almost a backlash back towards the basics and back towards simplification. I know myself, when I came to Inside View two and a half years ago, I took a look at our stack, Jeff, and we had, I mean, there was about 14 or 15 different technologies, and they're not cheap, right? They might yeah. be anywhere from you know, 10K to 80K annual ACV, not even including our marketing automation system in that mix. And not one person in the entire marketing organization could tell me everything that was in our stack and what it was for. Different people knew different things. And in some cases, they were just complete orphans, right? I remember this one particular tool that did something on the website to, you know, change buttons, green or yellow, or, you know, things like that. So if a visitor delayed, it would, you know, proactively get them to uh, do a behavior. Not one person in my team could tell me what it was for, who bought it, or anything. And then the $33,000 ACV renewal came across my desk. <laughs> like, uh-uh. So we did a purge and took ourselves down to marketing automation and CRM and a massive, massive data cleanup um, in our sales and marketing database. And then we re-added some specific things to the mix. So I think there's way too much. I think it's way too confusing for marketers. And I also think that the bright, shiny object marketer is going out of vogue. We all know that yeah. person or people on the marketing team that, you know, is always looking at the latest and greatest new thing, plays around with it, sticks it in a sandbox, and then, you know, it may end up and get abandoned. They leave the company, and then you end up like me coming in, and there's just a whole bunch of crap that may or may not have ever been set up correctly. So I think marketers have to be back to basics. I think they got to focus on their core systems and their data. Um, you know, and then add the rest, but you got to be careful and you have to be really judicious and there's so much consolidation going on. You also have to be careful if, you know, there's a product that you're putting in there in your stack that requires really intense hookup. And then that company ends up and gets acquired unhooking, you know, can really be painful. So, you know, vetting the vendor and the vendor stability and all of that, you know, has taken on new meaning. So from your perspective, um, and, and with this spirit in mind, uh, what would be the top few processes you think marketing executives should be really focusing in on to build their foundation? Processes. Well, I'll answer it slightly differently, which would be uh, business problems that I think that okay. marketers just need to look at, if you don't mind. So one would be... Um, what's you, what is your business process and your technology for making sure your customers get to best practice and turning them into advocates. So for instance, I'm a big fan of, you know, advocacy platforms like Influitive happens to be the one that I have experience with to get your customers to really be rabid fans in the B2B world. That's a whole body of work. 
Another one is all around sales enablement and, um, and sales productivity. And there's so many great tools out there now to help your sellers get up to speed faster, to orchestrate their work. And, you know, my life partner is a VP of sales and he always says, you know, the only thing the sales reps control is their time. Everything else is out of control. So if you can make them more productive, decrease their research time, help them figure out their next best action and so on, even better. And one of the best things we've done personally um, in the last couple of years is put in a, um, a sales content portal so that our anybody that's customer facing always has the exact you know right piece of content. It's up to date and they can track where it's going when they send it out to a prospect. They know who's opened it and who's clicked and so on. And then I've got metrics now that say, okay, here's all my top sellers, here's their win rate, and here's what they're using day in and day out. And that's been really transformative in helping to make our sales force as productive as possible. Those are two things. Yeah, that's great. So to shift to talent for a minute, do you think that there's a talent gap out there? And if so, why? So um, I used to think that there was a very severe marketing operations talent gap. It's getting better, but I still think it exists. You know, if you think about just people that can know the basics on implementing a marketing automation system, it's pretty hard to find that talent. That's why agencies are so important. You know, even though we have a full-time marketing ops person and demand gen team, we also outsource you know, to partners, quite a lot of things to either get us jump started or, you know, keep us going on a regular basis. You don't want to put all your